The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The other thing that we are, of course, going to be doing between now and seven o'clock is continuing to hear tributes paid to Sinead O'Connor uh, from those who knew her, those who worked with her, people related uh, to her, uh, people who were touched by her as an individual or by her music. And Dave Fanning is with me, the broadcaster, as is BP Fallon, the DJ, author, photographer and musician. Uh, Gentlemen, you're both very welcome to the show. Um, Dave, if I can start with you, I mean, you you would have interviewed her so many times, you probably lost count. And I'm I'm sure in the wake of those interviews, you'd bump into people and they might say, What's Sinead like? What was, what's your answer to that question? Wow. Uh, my answer to that question would be that she was self-deprecating, maybe uncompromising, a very sharp observer. She was a very gentle soul, a very generous person. She was polarizing, no question, especially in the early 90s. She was definitely ahead of her time, her prescience in what she was talking about in terms of uh, child abuse and the church's role in it, and etc., was absolutely incredibly like so far ahead of its time but she was fearless and she was fragile and she was often both at once and she certainly was often both at once while she sang her how how early in her career dave was it obvious that you know she was kind of treading new ground as a musician well, I mean, the, when she was over, like, Faulkner, Faulkner Kelly had been the manager of the Boomtown Rats, and he, he took her under his wing and brought her to London. And she was very young. I think she was 18 and pregnant and said, OK, I'm going to, you know, do a solo album. I'm going to produce it myself. And the people in charge said, no, you're going to dress like this. You're going to do your hair like that. And you obviously are not going to produce the album yourself. And... Um, she did, and she didn't dress like this. She wore the bobber boots and she cut the hair off rather than have to do anything with it. She was absolutely her own person from the word go. And what did the album do for a first-time solo album? It got a Grammy nomination. So that put her in pretty good stead for a small label in London like that. And then went on to the second album by 1990. And on that album was the Prince song, which again, I think, had been suggested to her by Faulkner. And... Um, I think we know the history then after that. Mm. I mean, like that second album was fantastic. Like the first album, people would think, oh yeah, that's Mandinka and Top of the Pops. The real track on the first album was Troy. That's the one that most fans go with. And then when you think about, you know, just what it meant around that time by 1990 and what she did and just doing it her own way and the effect she had on a whole generation of marginalised women it's just astonishing, and I keep pointing to the fact that last year her doc, her what do you call it, um, her autobiography came out yeah. uh, the year before, and the the Sunday, sorry, the New York Times did an interview with her, and there's four thousand comments underneath that interview. You should read those comments and just see the effect. Just see that, like, finally, an awful lot of people who felt they were on the edge were able to um, have, if you like, a role model. Whether Sinead wanted to be a role model or not is another thing, but Mm. she really spoke up for people like that. She really did. And, I mean, you you mentioned the kind of the the, the Grammys being nominated for them, uh, you know, on album one and, uh, like, her success around the world. Sometimes when we talk about Irish artists abroad, we can talk up the success a little bit, and that's not an Irish phenomenon. You know, everybody looks at their own kind of countrymen and countrywomen through kind of... Uh, tinted glasses but when you look at the comments pouring in over the last you know nearly 24 hours now you really get a sense of just what a global star she was yeah just remember in the early 90s I mean not just as a kind of a musical kind of uh cultural and icon but like as a right out there social like the two biggest names in female world of all of that 
was Madonna. Uh, were, were Madonna and uh, for a while Sinead O'Connor. Now I don't think Madonna particularly liked what Sinead O'Connor was doing and there was a terrible spat between the two of them and Sinead won out completely by simply not doing, like at the time Madonna was releasing her sex book and all the rest and her SNN, let's praise all that kind of thing and Sinead was going, what is going on? And she would later on then to give out to Miley Cyrus for using her body to sell the sort of stuff. And then there was Frank Sinatra and Joe Pesci and everybody giving out to her in the States for everything she did. But I mean, she was her own person and she was absolutely true to herself and she really was pretty damn great. Yeah, well, listen, stay with us, Dave, because I mentioned BP Fallon, who's on the line as well. Uh, BP, you would have known Sinead and known Sinead well. It must be a terribly sad time for you. Oh, we've lost BP. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll get him back up uh, on the line. But Dave, you, ma- you mentioned um, the book Rememberings, um, you know, that came out with a, last year, the year before. And I, I said this when I was talking to Tom Dunn last night. If people haven't read it, they should and ideally listen to it. If you listen to Sinead reading the book herself in her own voice, it's it's an incredible experience. But, uh, you know, that, that um, appearance on Saturday Night Live and the tearing up of the Pope's picture, like even that... You know, she was asked about it afterwards, about it derailing her career, and she had a great answer to it. It was that it didn't derail my career. It derailed the career of the people in the record company who wanted to buy a house in Antigua. I wanted to make money performing live, and I continued to make money performing live. Well, I mean, the career that we thought of, like the first album came out and it was really huge, had a few hits and all the rest of it. The second album came out and suddenly she was the biggest star in the whole world. And you, you do think along those terms. So did it derail her career? Yeah, completely and absolutely destroyed it and she never uh, recovered from it. But that was the plan. Thank God. The last thing she wanted was to be a pop star. The last thing she wanted was fame. That's not what it was all about. When she tore up the picture, I mean, she even said herself at the time, you know, I'm not a pop star, I'm a protest singer and I've taken a protest song by Bob Marley and skewed the words around to be sort of something that people would understand, I mean, sorry, didn't understand at the time, mm. which was just to complain about child abuse and organised religion and the Vatican being a nest of devils and all the rest. And she remonstrated against the Vatican and their handling of sex abuse allegations or their non-handling of them for years. And... Uh, you know, that's what she was doing all the time. So she never wanted to do, or never wanted to have the kind of success that other pop stars wanted, which is like, there's nothing wrong with other pop stars wanting it, but she was certainly never going to go down the Madonna route either. She absolutely was true to herself. And then what happened was she was able to simply concentrate on the music. And when she concentrated on the music, her next album, I thought it was just a stopgap album, but actually it turned out this is a a new approach. So the first thing was a a jazz album, a jazz standards. It was called Am I Not Your Girl? Then you go on to Universal Mother and Faith and Courage. And then she did a Shamnos album, Throw Down Your Arms was great. Theology was one and then I thought the best and she's a reggae album I thought the best two were the, were the last two actually released about 2012-2014 and I have heard the full album she played it for me up in her house not so long ago of a brand new bunch of songs that she made just herself and the Belfast musician David Holmes Oh so wow You know other music so you know? There is other music there Listen BP is back with us um, BP you're, you're welcome to the show Can you Try to put into words uh, just the sense of loss that you and others would be feeling today. Well, the thing is, Sinead, as well as being an incredible musician, people recognise that she was an incredible person, a complete one-off. And that's why people are so very upset. There's no one like it. And there's no one now making records that say anything about the world. You know, what's Bruce Springsteen done? What's you 2 done? Nothing. 
Sinead did it all through her career. Uh, and one has to applaud that. And sometimes she did things that were clumsy. They weren't smooth, like the ripping up of the Pope. Uh, but she was ahead of her time in doing that. And we now see that she was correct in what she did. And as Dave mentioned, she, she messed up her career on the altar of truth. She just wasn't some mm. sort of pop singer singing about bubblegum. When did you first meet her, BP? Uh, she tells me we met when she was 14 at one of the RTE Larks in the Parks concert uh, and that she gave me a demo tape. I don't remember that, uh, but we met uh, super properly at um, a Pogues party in London in 1986, uh, and we immediately became chums. And would would you and her then have have met up and got up to a bit of mischief, I guess, over the years in London? I think you could say that. <laughs> uh, and also in Dublin, you know, She'd ring up and say, leave a message on my machine. Can I come over and let's get into trouble? You know, um, what's forgotten that she was a very, very funny girl. She had a great sense of humor. A good example of that is when she went to the protest against herself with a wig on and nobody recognized her. And there she was at her own protest. Um, and the thing about, say, you know, running over her records in America with the bulldozer or whatever. It was very similar to the, res the response that uh, John Lennon get when, got when he said, you know, the Beatles are more popular than Jesus. Uh, people have those moments in their career uh, and they either kill them or the solidify their position. And it's solidified with Sinead because we know that she, she would write songs of the heart often of a broken heart, often of a wounded heart. But that wasn't all she wrote about. She wrote about black, black boys on mopeds, many songs that have a social conscience, uh, wrapped up in this gorgeous, brilliant, one-time, lovely voice, mm. uh, just a beautiful voice, coming out of this girl who was wounded. It's quite incredible. D Dave quite mentioned... Incredible. So, sorry, BP, to cut across. Dave, just Dave mentioned some of the new music as well, you know, produced with David Holmes. You've, you've heard that as well, I take it. I have, yes. I have it all on my computer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really good. It's really, really, really good, which is a bright light in the middle of all of this darkness. It's a tremendous record. Uh, and people will be so pleased to get it when it comes out. Uh, David is a beautiful man, and he and Sinead work together wonderfully. Dave, what's Sinead's musical legacy? And I, I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about um, the, the volume of work she created, but rather, what does she hand it down to other generations? How did she change music here? She did her own thing. I mean, like, as I say, after she became famous for a big hit single, she went her own way. And look at the things, as I say, she did. I mean, everything from a reggae album to just where you should make a reggae album with the people you should make it with to a Shan Nose album. She called it Shan Nose Nua and didn't care if it wasn't going to sell. That's not what it was about at all. She just followed her own muse and realised that this whole pop star thing is not what she wanted. So that's what she did. That's what she has left, if you like. Just, you know, be true to yourself, as Beep says, and that's what she was. 
And BP, you know, yesterday evening when the news broke and, and here today, we talked a lot about her and her, her music and her career because they're all so fascinating and she packed so much into 56 years. It's it's incredible in a way to think she was that young. Um, But her, her faith, I want to ask you about. I mean, to, to what extent did she wear that on her sleeve? Um. Uh, in everyday life, we, we would have seen it on screen on the Late Late Show, for example, and obviously it changed over the years and it took on different uh, different shapes. But but it always seemed to be important to her. Very important. She was a searcher in that respect, looking, always looking, always interested in other ideas spiritually. Uh, I used to call her at one point when she was a priest. I used to call her the Rev. Uh, <laughs> that was my pet name for her. Um, and she walked around like a priest. Of course she did, because that's what she felt she was at the time. Um, and the same would apply to other situations, you know, whether you wear something on your head out of respect or whatever. Well, listen, her faith, as we say, hugely important to her. So I think everybody hopes that she is where she expected to be and is with who she hoped she would be with and now and has found some peace. Uh, Dave, listen, thanks a million for speaking to us. BP, uh, you as well. Dave Fanning, broadcaster, BP Fallon, DJ, author, photographer and musician. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.